here all the time. Say it's safer to purchase property here than back in the US or back in the Canada, where, wherever they're from, just because then they see the process that has to be done to you to actually obtain property down here. It's giving people a lot more comfort to- Welcome to The Flow, real estate and money show. A show focused on helping Canadians understand the different elements of real estate, mortgage, and finance. The goal of our show is to provide Canadians with the tools, information, and knowledge to have more success when it comes to their investing and real estate-related decisions going forward. My name is Alex McFadden, and I'm your host. I can't wait to get you into the flow. Well, Mexico is on everyone's mind and my face. As you can see, I was recently away. If you're just listening to the podcast, just imagine a beautifully tanned face. That's exactly what I've got going on right now, although it's fading by the day, sadly. In any case, I was really excited to welcome back my friend, Rob Bailey. He's a real estate agent in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and a good friend. I've known Rob for a number of years. And man, I really enjoyed this episode because he got raw and real. And he talked about his real life experience as to why he made the transition to not only living in Puerto Vallarta, but also uh, getting into the real estate market. You know, Rob got really deep towards the end of the episode and helped us to understand, you know, some of the things that m- basically, I would want to say forced him to make the decision, but had him making the decision really quickly. And I think this could really impact a lot of people. If you're liking this episode or if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review, hitting subscribe if you're on YouTube, and of course, giving us a rating. Last but not least, share this out with a friend so we can benefit someone else with this information. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let's roll with it. All right. So Rob Bailey, welcome on the show. I would say welcome back to the show, but this is the first time being on this podcast. So welcome right. to the Flow State Podcast. We're both in Mexico right now. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the odd part. I'm living down here and you're in vacation, right? Yeah. Well, and I'm also on the, the opposite coast of you right now over in uh Play del Carmen, where you are in, where are you today, Rob? So I'm right in Puerto Vallarta. Yeah. So I live right in Puerto Vallarta, but you know, I work throughout the Vallarta area and into the state of Nayarit. So you you, you cover a lot of, a lot of ground there is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a little far, a little farther north, probably I go all the way up to maybe two hours north of here. And then that's kind of as far as I, I want to go. Yeah. I mean, that's less time on the beach hanging out with your uh, wife and your dog, of course. So we don't need to <laughs> yeah. be spending too, too many hours on the road, especially in Mexico, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it is, it, it, we, you know, have kind of come into a different lifestyle down here for sure. But uh, believe me, we're still putting in the hours for the work. I believe that. And I see that. And I'm obviously catching that on a regular basis because whether it's me talking to you or, or Holly all the time here, you guys are go, 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 go. And so, you know, two and a half years, you were just telling me, so it's been two and a half years since you uh, really got licensed in Mexico and about three years since you moved there. And I guess I got to jump in and say like the Mexico life, the Mexico lifestyle, how is it treating you now in your journey or transition in this third year? Is it everything that you thought it would be? It is, and 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 more. Actually, you know, we really expected a lot more, a lot of more bumps in the road uh, making this transition and this move down here. But it's gone quite a bit more smooth than we we expected, uh, which is great. But yeah, the transition has definitely been easier than we thought, and it may look like on my Instagram that we're doing nothing but you know, 
exploring around and hanging out on beaches and that. But, you know, we're definitely putting in the hours here in our, in our business. And we've, you know, decided this is something we, we really want to try to hammer out in the next few years and try to build something sustainable for ourselves. Well, and there's, that says a lot about you together, the, the two of you and the objective goal that you mentioned there. And, and I mean, it, it probably couldn't have worked out better from a, a timing perspective in regards to how the world's evolved and how it's changed and gone, obviously, so virtual. And more importantly, the fact that more Canadians and others than ever before are looking to make the move down and, and not just rent and stay in Mexico, but actually own a piece of real estate down there and call it a piece of, of their future both from an investment perspective, but also from a lifestyle perspective. I mean, what, I guess, would you say that in the last couple of years that you've seen a transition in the way that people are looking at Mexican real estate? Has it evolved in any way? What's the, what's the approach that you're generally getting now? You know, we've been coming down here a long time, you know, to the Vallarta area, especially, and, you know, for 10 years, we've been coming down here twice a year, spending three weeks to a month each time. And one thing I'll definitely say that we've noticed since we've moved down here is the difference in the people that are purchasing property down here. Whereas it used to be, you know, I'm getting ready for retirement. I want to spend six months a year down there. And uh, so an o definitely an older type of investor. But now we're really starting to see the young families, like people just, you know, whether they're, you know, just cashing out like we did and leaving everything or taking money out of, you know, property or investments up there. But now we are seeing young families a lot more that are purchasing properties, getting ready for, you know, within a couple of years, they want to make the transition to move down here completely, or they're just moving down here, putting their kids in uh, like uh, local private schools. And yeah, just looking for that kind of simpler way of life. And that I would say is one of the biggest differences that we've seen is just the transition to a lot younger people investing and um yeah bringing bringing their family down here and and yeah and a lot and surprisingly a lot of people just cashing out like we did selling everything mm -hmm. moving down here and yeah just looking for that different lifestyle well that, i mean that leads to the next question which is is mexico a good country to invest in from a real estate perspective we lifestyle uh, aside which you just talked about you know obviously you guys are working very hard but you do get a chance to enjoy the beaches and some friends and see people that come down on vacation. But purely from an investment perspective, what have you noticed and what have you picked up and, and what, do, what is your feedback on when people ask you that question? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I think one of the biggest, you know, buzzes that you're hearing is how Mexico as a country now is really coming into it, to its own. Lots of manufacturing being moved down here. And so you can see that in property values, especially in a beach resort town as this. But, you know, I'm starting to hear these little, you know, these little things everywhere, you know, little YouTubes and people talking about the how Mexico is rising to one of and going to be in the future, 
predicted predicting of one of the you know power countries it's a young demographic down here of people that are ready and willing to go to work and like you know manufacturing and stuff being moved down here the labor is still very cheap and it's really it's a win-win for both sides for you know companies moving manufacturing down here the low labor costs but for the country itself they're looking at this is great opportunity and you're seeing that middle class now really explode here rather than it just being where it was before is like a whole bunch of money and then poverty basically right so you're really mm-hmm. seeing that middle class grow here so it's it's great for the country as well well, that's really interesting. And I mean, I've been reading some stats about Mexico as a whole, and, it, and it's set, as you mentioned, to grow, you know, over the next five years by about 8%, which is is good, not great, but it is, of course, growing, which is a good sign. I'm not retracting, of course. Yeah, it's yeah. also a relatively, like, from my experience, at least understanding and reading and researching, it seems to be a pretty stable economy for the most part. You know, news articles aside of the danger and what's going on, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, like, extremes one way or another. You know, talk about that firsthand three and a half years. Have you seen any extreme economic changes over the timeline, whether it be money valuation, uh, building, construction, political uh, considerations? Well, I I mean, I think everybody knows, you know, the strength of the Mexican peso right now. And I think everybody expects that to just, you know, drop again and go back to the U.S. dollar being being the king and everything. But, you know, as it keeps on trailing along there and gaining strength even more, you start to wonder, is this a kind of sign of things to come? And as far as economics, um, the only thing I can really say to that is for in my little area here is just the strength of, of property values. I mean... And since we purchased, we've seen an increase of, you know, we purchased in August of 2021 and we've seen an increase of two and a half times of our, of our property. So, and people say, oh, okay, but yeah, but you know, there's the peak. Now are you looking at a crash and really don't see it? I mean, it has leveled off it. You know, it's not like this anymore. It has leveled off. But, you know, with the development that's going on, 22 new developments are back online again. There was a hold on them, some political stuff of environmental, you know, requirements that these builders had to, you know, a change in, change in the, in the uh, laws of it. But anyways, you know, 22 developments back online. And on top of that, more developments coming up. And I don't see that it's a market that's now saturated. It's, you know, still just, it's looking like now we have some, we have some good variety in the market of, for people to choose from. Whereas it's, okay. it was, you know, it was starting to be that it was kind of, you know, a, a seller's market starting to happen. Right. And was that in, due in part to the amount of interest and intrigue and the cost of the dollar? You know, what's happening in Canada? Have you heard those types of things? Or is there another reason why we've seen that, that change in the marketplace? Yeah, I would say it's mostly be just because of everything that's happening in Canada, the U.S. And now with Canada and restrictions on Airbnb and that, I mean, that's been one of the, the main topics now of people uh, contacting us and asking 
first and foremost, what are the restrictions there? Uh, because, you know, people are now looking like getting, you know, uh, getting rid of their properties up there. And where do I want to put that money? Because I still want to invest in real estate and have some, you know, return on my investment. And so what is it looking like down there? And the, the number one question is, you know, what are restrictions? There are none, you know, basically the largest, uh, the biggest restrictions you might have is there's one building that I know of has a minimum two month rental. Whereas, you know, it's very common to have minimum three day, minimum one week rental, but that's what there is for restrictions, you know, other than no pets or something. But as far as on an investment, from an investment uh, view, no restrictions on what you can own, what you can make on it or anything. So basically the government isn't dictating what you can do with your property, but the, it sounds to me like the stratas or HOVs are the ones that are making those decisions. Have there been any concerns or is there the possibility for the stratas to change those guidelines or bylaws on, on just at any time? Or is there a little bit more of a complicated process? The only reason I ask that question is it, obviously just like up in Canada, there are some people that I've seen, you know, they purchase a property, it's strata, it says it's zoned for, you know, for example, Airbnb. And then, of course, the strata votes to do the opposite or change that. Have there been anything or any concerns like that have happened down in Mexico to your experience yet? You know, I really don't. I just can't see that could ever happen here because when you're looking at a development and a developer is building that development, they basically say what the restrictions are going to be. And, you know, a strata can come in afterwards and make some rules, but have fun as an HOA coming in and saying, you know what, we're going to say that there's no more rentals in here. Well, 80% of the people that have purchased in here have purchased it for a vacation rental investment. So, you know, have fun with that, right? But I've never heard, still haven't heard, even though, and in, in saying that, haven't heard anything like that because I think it's just the domination of, the properties and condos units within a building development, the, the, the sheer percentage of them that are being in purchased for as an investment, whether it be for six months out of the year or, you know, as a full-time investment. So. Well, you, okay. So let's talk about the building setting from that perspective, because you and I have spoken many times. You've got experience working in and around construction for a number of years previous to uh, moving to Mexico in a variety of different roles. And so, and I know uh, we'll talk about your situation later if you're open to it, but yeah. and I, I know that you've been around construction quite a bit here in Mexico. And uh, let's just say a lot of the buildings, and especially when you're watching them being built, seem like a little bit iffy. <laughs> like, And maybe not just the approach <clears throat> of the people that are doing it, but some of the tactics seem like perhaps they're a little bit outdated. You know, that's probably a concern that a lot of people have when they're looking at buying this uh, piece of real estate and particularly like a condo or strata building. Is this thing going to roll over or fall down? Or do I have any concerns about the electrical and the plumbing just blowing up on me in any state and time? Like what's been your experience there so far and how, how are people kind of dealing with that? Well, you know, like anywhere in the world, I mean, even in Canada, uh, you know, there is properties and, you know, being built by developers where you kind of go, man, that is like some real cheap quality they're putting in there. 
and that can definitely happen here as well. I mean, I've I've gone to a, a you know new property development and had actually a Canadian buyer from Quebec, and you know I really pointed out to him like you know like stick your head out of the window, look at the thickness of this wall, you know look at the you know look at the windows, look at the sliding doors, you know I can literally move the sliding door, flex the sliding door back and forth like four inches you know what I mean so does that you know but it's reflective in the price that that person was buying that two bedroom that two bedroom unit in there for $79,000 US so it is really what you're paying for but they definitely have to I mean they definitely have to pass local building you know guidelines and everything else especially when you're talking and looking at like nine story 10 story 20 story buildings like they're they're under just as much scrutiny as a building that's in the u.s or canada because of you know the seismic activity down here they that has to be taken into consideration you know earthquakes hurricanes so all these things got to be taken into consideration when that development is being built and you know they they have to meet um you know stringent guidelines to make sure that the building isn't going to fall fall over and the next earthquake right yeah i would say that would probably be pretty important here all things considered which leads me to the next point you know there's a lot of building going on in in it seems to be in a lot of building going on in mexico right now in a a few different cities and communities now i won't ask you to talk about different cities that you're not living in at this point right now but i've seen uh, a, a big uh, push of different types of construction and building in places like Cabo and, and, you know, you see areas coming up a little bit like Tulum. How does Port of Arda relate to these different cities and communities? Are you seeing a lot of building construction in those cities? And, and if so, what does that look like? What, what are people building or what is being built? And is it the right type of product? You know what? I would, I would say you're probably going to see pretty much the same kind of developments, you know, all across the board between the different areas. And, it is literally it is literally everything from you know 27 story high rises to three level walk-ups no elevators so it's i mean it's it's all over the map of what's being built it depends on the area and again it comes down to price point you know when you're looking at a you know 26 27 story building beachfront and you know, what, you know, kind of prices those are, you know, capturing to, you know, in the neighborhood back a ways, three-story walk up. Now you're looking at, you know, $150,000 US for a two-bedroom, two-bath place within that. Brand new, pool, all that kind of stuff. But it's, again, comes back down to what is your, what is your investment look like? And for everybody, that's different, you know. And if you're looking to invest two hundred thousand dollars, or you're investing, you know, two million dollars. So there's there's the the one thing about it is there's something for everybody down here. Doesn't matter what kind of price point you need to get in at. I mean, there's something available. Mm. 
Yeah, that's really interesting to hear. And I, I'm not surprised to hear that there's so much building construction going on right now and, and even more so on the range of valuations of properties. So you mentioned earlier in this conversation that there's a lot of people who are looking to take that money from out of BC, mostly I would imagine, or maybe across the country, you tell me, but they're actually thinking about, hey, I'd like to actually keep the same type of get up, short-term rental, this sort of thing, and move it down to Mexico. Have you seen, I guess, tell me a little bit about what you've seen there. What are people saying to you is this a quick transition? Or is there a lot of concern? What's helping people to kind of move forward? And what are the things that are holding them back from making these decisions? I, I think, well, as far as the decision decisions people are making towards that, there is, you know, as, as in invent, any investment, there's hesitation. But, you know, once you kind of go through the process with people and, and give them all the information, they start getting that, give, getting that comfort level of, you know what? Hey, people have been buying property down here for, since 1973 within that restricted zone. And, and it's, so that's how it's been being done through all these years. And with the process now, the purchase process, becoming more and more stringent as time goes on, even since I've been down here and been involved in real estate, you know, the offer to purchase gets a little bit longer. The listing agreements get a little bit longer because as everywhere is, they start bringing in new mandates for, to cover, you know, what if this, what if that, but, you know, in talking about purchases, almost, I would say 98% of the time when we finally have the buyers in closing day, on that day that they get their keys and hand it over, almost every single person says the same thing. Wow, I can't believe what you got to go through down here to get to, 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 to make a purchase. I mean, and I hear it all the time. It's... I'd say it's safer to purchase property here than back in the U.S. or back in the Canada, where, wherever they're from, just because mm -hmm. then they see the process that has to be done to you to actually obtain property down here. So that's given a lot. That's giving people a lot more comfort to to purchase down here, and you know, like I have an appointment tomorrow, and it is basically exactly these people are. Their properties uh, on the market right now. They're expecting a, a quick sale, and they want to immediately take that money from there and put it down here. So they said it's, it's a complete, you know, take from from there and put it down here. Show me, show me my best value, what I'm looking at, you know, my costs of what it's going to be able to. What are my going to be my costs to keep this property for? Uh, you know, my annual cost per year for having this property. And so, yeah, I mean, we're seeing it more and more that that's the main, why people are, 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 you know, getting a hold of us. Making that transition right now. So, so let's talk a little yeah. bit about some of those yields, Rob, you know, do you have any examples or ideas as to what types of rental yields, yields people are receiving for these properties, whether it be long-term or short-term, you know, what are, what are people generally speaking, expecting? Can you, do you have any examples you could provide? You know what? I guess the best example would be the building I live in and our our particular condo, actually, even. We've, we've just listed it up for sale, and it's a two-bedroom, two-bath, and 
in our building. So it's nine stories. There's 80 units, you know, amenities are, you know, a full pool, ground, ground level, full pool, garden area, and which is very kind of rare for around here. Also full-size pool, rooftop, uh, full-size pool, and another common area. So very popular for long-term rentals, and they're renting anywhere from 35,000 to 45,000 pesos a month long-term. So you're looking at around 2,000, 2100 uh, <laughs> up to like $25, $2,600 US uh, a month on, say, a $400,000 investment. Okay. And so, so with, with these properties, so that's about 22 to 2500 US per month on around a $400,000 US investment, you said. Is that right? Yeah. And we're talking long term. Like our particular building is, you know, four months, six months. And you're seeing the same people come back, you know, from last year, they're here for this year. There's one couple in here, they just lease it the whole year round because they like to come down for three, four months. They go home for a month or two, then they come back down. They just lease it the round, you know, uh, year round. I mean, they are starting to think about maybe purchasing now, but in particular, you know, you're, you're not getting as much money on the long term, of course. You know, if you want to do that uh, short-term vacation rental, of course, you're going to generate more money. But if you've got, you know, people coming in for six months at a time at, you know, $2,300, $2,500 U.S. a month, it's pretty easy to, to manage that, right? So that's kind of what seeing there. And then as far as expenses, yearly expenses for that property, our HOA is about $180 U.S. A month and property taxes a hundred and seventy dollars uh us okay it's 160 so dollars us a month for expenses not related to the property or something yeah. else but those those property taxes at a hundred like 180 dollars that's per year Oh, wow. So that's not per month. That's per year. So your relatively, your expenses, your yearly annual expenses for up, you know, keeping that property are relatively low. I mean, two, two and a half, three months of rental and you've just paid for all your expenses on that property for the year. Okay. So I just did a brief calculation here. So 2,500 USD is about 3300 Canadian dollars right now and then you said a purchase price of that property is about 400 right now is that right yeah let's say 400,000 yeah okay and about 540,000 dollar Canadian or 540 Canadian dollars at that point so from a rental rate perspective you know 3300,000 on 540,000 uh, i would say you know much better than what you're going to find in you know the cities like Vancouver and these surrounding areas for the price of the property that you're going to get uh, and that is for long term, the disadvantages, I'm sure, obviously, we'll, we could talk about this briefly, but the lending perspective from what you can get out of it. But I do imagine that what you mentioned earlier would probably help people, you know, stay a little bit more interested in these types of properties, knowing that they could short term rent it or vacation rent it as well, and enjoy some of the time on and off. And, and it sounds to me that's kind of like what people do is they they'll come in for a month, and then they'll rent it out for a few months. And then, you know, that that sort of transition back and forth. Is that kind of more what you see? Yeah, you know, we have a good friend uh, from, she's from Chicago and, you know, we, we met her, she lives in the building next door to us, another new building. 
And, you know, she had no interest in, in renting out her property. It was just a place for her to go and, you know, making it slowly, maybe making the transition to being here full time. But she says, you know, it's hard not to take a rental when I'm renting it for three months and it pays for all my expenses for the, not even three months. Her, her, what she's renting it for in like a couple of months, she says it pays all my expenses on all my expenses for a year. So it's kind of hard to say no to somebody that wants to rent it for three months. You know, I'll go back, stay in my place in uh, Chicago and come back after they're, they've, they've left. And, I, you know, I've just paid for my place for the year. So mm. there's that way of, you know, some people are looking at it. And then there's other people that say, you know, you know, this is a really an investment to me. <clears throat> I might come down here. I might come down for two weeks or maybe a month to start out with, but I want to generate income on that the rest of the time as much as I can. And, and so for those people that are really coming down to be investors, the ones that are really coming down, like what types of properties are they typically looking for? And where are some of the opportunities that the peer investors should be considering, at least in the Puerto Vallarta, Riviera, Neorit areas? Yeah. The, so again, it kind of goes back to what is their you know, what is their investment? What are they looking at? I mean, you, you, you know, you have people that say, you know, I, I have a budget of a million dollars. You know, what am I looking at? What kind of, you know, what kind of my return am I going to get on that? And, you know, and so forth. You know, have a, you know, a couple from your area there, which you know very well because you referred them to me and they heard me on the last podcast we did. But anyways, you know, this as a young couple in their, you know, mid thirties, they made their first property investment purchase down here. And that was their, I believe their sixth or seventh property altogether. And so they purchased a very modest, made a very modest purchase down here. And they're really reaping kind of the benefits of, you know, their it's in a it's in a good building you know it was it's in a good building it's being rented you know you know very often and but you know they just book it off for themselves and they've been down here like in the you know they purchased it uh, maybe a, not even a year ago now and they've been down here like three times they're coming down again so they just book themselves into their own place they come down for a couple of weeks and have a little vacation and go back and start generating some income again and he's already i mean uh i mean they're very smart investors and he says it's it, it's already cash positive like it's absolutely no regrets so it makes sense for him so okay let's let's kind of ask you a, a different question then rob thank you for clarifying that and, and remind me that's a great uh situation we've got to talk to them at some point in the future, hopefully they'll, they'll be willing to come on and talk about that. Uh, let me ask you a different question. You know, again, uh, one of the big things for me in in the podcast that we're doing right now is talking to people about realistically their their feelings around money and making these big decisions. Like I believe that when someone says, I'm going to go and buy a property in Mexico or, you know, I'm gonna, like what you guys did, which is basically sell everything and make that move down to Mexico. There's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of considerations and there's, there's reasons why people are all in and they do that and there's reasons why they don't and so i guess i just kind of want to get real with you rob and just ask you the question like for you guys when you made that decision you came down here what was what was going through your mind what were your feelings like what were your emotions like and and what was that experience could you kind of help us uh, understand that 
Yeah. Well, you know, our, our situation may be a little bit different than most, but I mean, it all started kind of around the same time and for the same reasons why we are seeing a lot of people down here. And, you know, we hate keep going back to that and, you know, talking about the pandemic, but I mean, it really made some changes. And I mean, that's where it started for us. You know, we kind of dreamed we had that kind of maybe a five-year plan, you know, we wanted to get down here. And, you know, we were probably, you know, four years out from that when the pandemic hit. And, you know, that was just tough on everybody. And, but, you know, in that year, we had some other real challenges. You know, my wife ended up having a, like a herniated disc and like an extreme. And she was basically bedridden for 11 months waiting for surgery there. And then in that 11 months, you know, I'll, I'll just go into a little bit of personal personal stuff. You know, I, I had moved my father closer to me, my senior father, to keep an eye on him. You know, you know December 21st, fourth Christmas Eve, he slips, falls, breaks the socket right off his hip. That puts him in the hospital, get him out of the hospital. And so, you know, going to taking care of him, you know, he can't, you know, got to bathe him and everything and get his food for him. And then, you know, I had my wife back at home in the same situation where she's basically bedridden because waiting for surgery, which was, you know, a, a complete spinal fusion, you know, Roz screws the whole thing in her back. And so this is going on. And then, you know, out of the blue, uh, my, uh, my mother passed away. And she passed away without a will. And it was kind of put on me to take care of all that. So, you know, that was all going on. And then another real kicker was my wife's lifelong friend got diagnosed with, you know, cancer and boom, 50 years old, six months later, mm -hmm. she's gone. So, you know, we came out of that and throw in there, I had a couple of little heart surgeries in that same year. So it was just this crazy year, you know, we came out of that and I was always kind of the real push to do this move to Mexico, but my, my wife is you needed like plan A, plan B, plan C, all the way up to H, right? And, but she came out of that, you said, you know, I just don't want to have regrets. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, look back. Why didn't we move it? You know, why didn't we do that? And she says, you know what? I'm just going to hold your hand and take your hand and let's do it. So from that time, we made that decision that we were just going to do it, kind of go all in. I, had start, I was starting another contracting business. We shut that down. We sold absolutely everything. So from the time we decided to the time we were ready to move was eight weeks. And we sold absolutely everything. We sold our home completely furnished. Uh, and they, they wanted absolutely everything. Basically, take your pictures out of the frames and leave. So in eight weeks, we were standing out front of our place, sold cars, absolutely everything. So in front of our place was six suitcases and our cat going okay, we're gone, you know. And so we kind of just moved down here and we thought, you know, we're going to figure this out. We didn't come down here with a retirement boatload of cash or anything like that. But we had just made the decision that what was going on there and, you know, how our lives were progressing there and then everything that happened, we had to just make a change. And we just decided what is the very worst that's going to happen we'll come back if it doesn't work out, right? 
But anyways, you know, we just came down here. Uh, we're both very, you know, feel that we're very resourceful. You know, I've had my own businesses in the past. You know, I've always been a contractor in construction. These two things have always gotten me out of trouble, you know. So uh, I figured that's what we were going to fall back on. And, you know, just ended up, you know, running into this broker all the time everywhere we went. I mean, long story short, I ended up in, into real estate. So, you know, give it a try you know, a contracting background and he says you're approachable. So between that and the, you know, the support of my wife with her business sense and everything together collectively, we've, you know, we've starting to turn this into something that we didn't even expect. You know, we thought, Hey, you know, if, if we can just kind of pay the bills and everything, we're going to be happy and just have a different laid back, uh, more relaxed life, but it's turned into something more than that for us. And, you know, we just couldn't be more, more grateful how it's gone. So, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that, Rob. I mean, that's so powerful. Everything, every single step in it, you know, I, I hope and, and if I'm using the right word for some pray that, you know, people who are considering making some type of change in their life, whether it be a move or career or something else before those types of things happen, they consider, you know, making that decision and making that move. I think more people need to remember the time that we have is so short and to, to really go for it. Because at the end of the day, I love what you said in that one point, and we're getting a little bit into mindset here, Rob, but I think that's where it needs to go is quite frankly, what is the worst that could ever happen is the best thing that you could ever say to yourself. Could I survive if all we had was the, you know, the clothes on our back, could we make it work? What would that look like? And I think more, more people need to ask themselves a question if they're thinking about any kind of decision just to say, what is the worst that could possibly happen and could I make it through? And the answer might be, no, I couldn't, don't do it. Or the answer might be exactly unequivocally, heck yes, let's go. Let's make this happen and let's go from there. You know, a few things really stand out in your conversation from the beginning to now. And one of the things, Rob, to, to bring it up is, you know, you said this a few times, I asked you about what types of investment properties and what types of properties. And it's really clear to me that you really uh, gravitate towards the stories and, and the people, but you know the numbers and you understand the ins and the outs of how these properties are put together and if it makes sense or it doesn't make sense. And I think that's an awesome reminder and a, and a good, well, I guess, nudge for anyone who's thinking about having success in the real estate market is that there, it is very much a people business, whether it's your, you know, whether it's your tenants or what you're doing. And the numbers are only a portion of that picture. And that shines through, explains why a lot of people out here on uh, up in Canada, specifically in the West Coast, have gravitated towards you and and uh, and Holly helping them make these big decisions here. And when it, when it comes to real estate, you know, let's. I, I kind of want to try and wrap up a few things, Rob, because I want to definitely have you come back. And there's a whole other bunch of questions that I have for you, but we'll we'll make mm -hmm. sure that I've got another episode for you from that perspective. Something that's come up a lot lately, and things that you brought up to me is the financing question in in Mexican real estate. And and you know, you and I have been working hard to come up with more and different and creative ideas when it comes to to people buying homes in Mexico. However, we do note that it is a completely different beast down there. Hey, you, I mean, you just recently experienced a closing. Talk to our listeners about that. What was the timeline on that closing with this with this Mexican financing company that you just had, that you just saw? Okay, well, yeah. I mean, that was actually my first finance. Uh, I mean, cash is king down here, but that was my first finance transaction. And 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 it, it was definitely not the norm. I've spoke to different lawyers, different agents, and you know, 
finance transactions closing in 90 days is is kind of the norm. But I mean, this was a very difficult situation and we ended up into it about uh, 10 months till it finally, finally closed. And there were so many different moving parts to that. And I couldn't even sit here and tell you for one reason why it ended up like that. There's just so many. Um, but that is, um, I mean, all I can say is maybe I'll, I've never, I won't work with that company again. But there is definitely uh, financing is becoming more popular down here. The, you know, it used to be financing down here was, you know, I used to hear that it was like, you know, 16%, 18%, that kind of stuff, right? But now you're starting to see banks getting involved. One, you know, one particular bank is called Intertem Intercam Bank, and it's uh, something they call the dream loan. And now you're starting to see other, you know, a couple other banks looking towards, you know, the foreign investment. And I think it's just because they see that they're, you know, they're really missing the boat on on that. And now you're starting to see brokers down here, you know, like yourself popping up and, and, you know, kind of being that middle person in whether it be private investors or institutional invest and, in, you know, banks and such like that. But now you are starting to see, you know, the 9%, 11% and which is still not, wow, fantastic, but, you know, the people that did this financing, I mean, they crunch the numbers and they look at it and they go, yes, this is what the financing is going to be. But I can still look at it and, and go, I'm still going to be cash positive at the end of the year. I'm still making money. Um, you know, so it's still making sense to people at 9%, 11%. So yeah. you are starting to see, you are starting to see a lot more finance alternatives down here. And I think that's really going to open up the industry even more uh, because like I said, pretty much it's always been, you know, you know, cash is king down here. You, you need cash. Yes. You need that 10% down. And then in 60 days when the property closes, you need that balance, you know, developments pre-sale, they offer financing, but people get confused when they talk about offering financing they're financing it over 24 months until it's, until it's built. So, you know, they'll want 30% down and then 60%, uh, and then 60% of that, the 60% is financed over, you know, 24 months and then the last 10% at the end. So you're looking at some pretty chunky payments there, but for somebody that's maybe got the money in the bank or is, you know, cashing out, it makes sense. You know, they're not putting it all at once kind of put it in, in intervals. And so they're keeping that money in the bank a little bit longer and, you know, not feeling like, geez, I'm throwing all my money into this. And now I got to wait for two years before it's even ready. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I thank you so much for explaining that and, and really giving a good overview there. Not every experience is, is as painful as that nine month experience that you had referenced last time. And yeah, we've been talking yeah. quite a bit about the different financing options. Again, I, what you nailed right there in regards to numbers is key. If the numbers work and the numbers make sense, it's no different than anywhere else in the country in Canada or the US for that matter which still rings true, assuming the numbers make sense and numbers work, then you can still move forward with the financing associated with this particular property. And that's pretty much the same 
with any type of business decision, if that's the type of decision that you're making, right? Whether the rates are five, seven, 10, 15, whatever it might be, as much as we would like to pay a lot less, of course, would be an ideal uh, circumstance. So yeah, and, and we've right. also seen on our side here, most of the mortgage companies financing Mexican properties today, you know, this is uh, 2024, right in the beginning of the year, in the uh, eight to 12% range as kind of a starting point with about 65% financing on the properties and typical amortization periods also appear to be 20 to 25 years as the most common with some shorter, like you mentioned, around 10 years and some even shorter than that. We still find that a lot of our clients opt to do a home equity line of credit or refinance or restructure, but we're seeing more kind of dabble with different ideas. So it'll be curious to see how our partnership can continue to evolve. So yeah, absolutely. To, uh, to see where that goes. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, that's, that's going to really open, you know, the industry up here. I mean, there's, there's a couple of companies that are really geared towards the, to the U S buyer, but there's really nothing that's really geared towards the Canadian buyer. And I really think, I really think that's a, a, a niche, I guess I could, I'll, I'll call it at this point that has really does really have to be explored. I mean, there are companies that absolutely do work with Canadian investors. I just wouldn't say that they're the the most cost friendly. They really want to control the whole transaction within and put quite a premium on those costs. But I mean, like I said, there's there's different options you know, coming online uh, all the time. And that's where I'm kind of relying on you to connect you with some of these, connect you with some of these resources and, you know, rely on your experience in this business on whether that's a good option for, you know, our Canadian people or, or U.S. or U.S. buyers, right? Got it. It's always one of the biggest questions. Rob, I want to kind of end things off and talk a little bit briefly uh, to, to go back to your story and what you shared with me, because <laughs> if there's one thing that people really need to take away from this conversation, it was your story around uh, all the different things that happened in your life and then making the conscious decision to make that move. So thanks for sharing that story. If people want to find you, Rob, I'm going to post up your Instagram handle, which is probably the easiest way to get you because you guys are always on there. We'll yeah, that's the show best. Notes. Yeah, that's best. I mean, we, I mean, our, our Instagram is kind of what we just really, you know, watch all the time. And uh, we've just, it's incredible some of the relationships. I, I mean, I, I was not a real social media guy when, you know, when I started into this business, but you, you have to, you have to be, you have to learn, you have to uh, put yourself out there, which is, you know, been definitely a, a transition for myself, but you know, some of the relationships that have come out of that and people coming down here, you know, wanting to meet you in person for the first time in that, man, there's, there's, there's actually been, like I said, some relationships where, you know, you almost think you're walking up to a, a long lost family member. It, it's been so it's cool. crazy. Yeah. It's been so good. cool. Hey, and you know what? I, I've physically met Holly in person, but not yourself. And we've only done everything over the phone so, <laughs> and our videos. So how funny is that? Uh, Rob, yeah. thanks so much for hopping on, man. I appreciate it. And if you guys want to get a chance to connect with Rob and learn more about him, just make sure to let him know that we sent you our way here over at, at Flow. You can reference Alex. And of course, if you guys love the show, give us a thumbs up or a ratings on iTunes and tell your friends all about it. We'll see you next time. Thanks, all. All right. Hey, thanks, Alex.
That was an unreal episode of The Flow. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did on my side right here. If you haven't already done so, make sure to check out all of the incredible resources that we have available. You can find us on Instagram at Flow Mortgage Co. You can find us on our website, getflowmortgage.ca. And of course, don't forget our free first time homebuyer masterclass that's currently available on our website for anyone who listens to the episodes. And if you loved what you listened here today, the only thing that we ask for is to share this with someone else that you think this could help. And hey, maybe leave us a great review online.